Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. From KQED. If there's one thing people in the Bay Area love, it's our culinary treats. Here at Bay Curious, we get a lot of questions like this. My name is Brent Silver. I live in San Francisco, and I asked Bay Curious which foods were invented in San Francisco. You already know some of the answers. We've talked about them on this very show. Sourdough bread, it's it ice cream sandwiches, chipino. But there are some foods and drinks that you might not have heard of that were born right here in the Bay. This week, we sent Brent to discover an iconic San Francisco cocktail that was born during the gold rush and has a totally wild past. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. If you're a cocktail drinker, you've probably tasted a few Pisco sours in your time. It's that pale, foamy drink made from Pisco, a highly potent Peruvian brandy. The Pisco Sour first officially appeared in Peru back in the 1940s. But years before that, San Francisco was gripped by a craze for another Pisco concoction that maybe should have come with a health warning. Reporter Carly Severn brings us the story of one beverage that embodied an era of excess. It's happy hour in San Francisco's Comstock Saloon in the city's North Beach neighborhood. And Anthony Kocek, the bartender, is making a cocktail that was invented in this very city, on this same street, in fact, over 100 years earlier. Add a generous helping of ice, and then you want to vigorously shake it. Double strain, chill black. It's called the Pisco Punch. You don't see it on many menus in this town, or anywhere, really. It's not frothy, like a pisco sour, and when it's strained into its chilled antique glass, it looks like pale liquid gold. We finish it off with doing a really nice lemon expression from a twist. Dig deep in there, you can see the pith is really white. But in the 1800s, this wasn't just a drink. Ordering pisco punch was a status symbol, and it said everything about the newfound wealth and ambition of Gold Rush San Francisco. Maybe what floods this town with cash nowadays, but back then it was gold. Prospectors streamed into the city with money to burn and tastes to be satisfied. 
and they found a mixology culture that wouldn't be out of place today, says cocktail historian Doug McDonald. Early San Francisco was the fastest growing richest city in the world and it was a port city and it had access to so many amazing wonderful ingredients, right? And when you have access, when you have wealth, what do you spend it on? But amazing things to put on your body and in your mouth and that's food and drink. Every scene needs its headquarters. And in 1880s San Francisco, that place was a bar called the Bank Exchange and Billiard Saloon. It was here that the Pisco Punch was born, on the site where the Transamerica Pyramid now stretches into the San Francisco sky. And this saloon was no dive. A grand marbled bar, lovely chandeliers. Uh, It opened up in 1853, frankly, as a testament to the West. And behind the bar was the Bank Saloon's very own celebrity bartender, a Scotsman named Duncan Nicholl. He was the guy serving Pisco Punch to San Francisco's movers and shakers for an eye-watering price. In today's inflation, that would be $25 per cocktail. Today, CEOs battle over technology patents, but back then, Duncan Nichols' big triumph was acquiring the intellectual property rights to the bank's Pisco Punch recipe when he bought the place. It was that big. But what was so special about this drink? What was in it? For a start, there was the Pisco itself. Pisco is a distilled fermented grape juice from Peru with extreme potency. And San Francisco was wild for it. But the stuff from Peru is single distilled, so it's distilled to proof, meaning it's not distilled to a higher proof and then cut with water. That kind of Pisco is more concentrated than anything else on this planet. I mean, it gets into your bones. Peruvian traders had long been bringing Pisco the four and a half thousand miles north up to the San Francisco Bay. And then gold arrived. And then more Peruvians came up because, obviously, they had a relationship with this territory, but they also had a relationship with mining. And then you add some pineapple. Now, pineapples arrived into San Francisco on many of the same ships that brought the Pisco, and they were a luxury item. And imagine, only in the richest city in the world would you then take that sweet and magical fruit and put it in a cocktail, for God's sake. Duggan tells me that San Francisco store owners would take whole pineapples straight from the docks and place them in their windows. And that pineapple became the international symbol of hospitality and luxury. Along with some lime and some syrup, Pisco Punch boasted a mystery ingredient that the owner, Duncan, would never divulge. A secret addition that, along with the Pisco, made this cocktail so mythically strong that the saloon apparently only allowed two per customer. No man but one knows what is in it. I have a theory it is compounded of the shavings of cherub's wings, the glory of a tropical dawn, the red clouds of sunset, and fragments of lost epics by dead masters. That's what author Rudyard Kipling, no less, wrote about the Pisco Punch. It makes a gnat fat an elephant. Is what another anonymous fan wrote at the time. And maybe that mystery ingredient might explain why writers were just so effusive in their love for it. That special something might have been Van Mariani, a fortified wine from Bordeaux. The principal ingredient in that, until it got banned, was coca leaves from Peru. In essence, cocaine. 19th century California, specifically San Francisco writing, you look at Twain and Kipling and all these guys and 
There's a lot of energy in their prose, uh, a lot of hyperbole, shall we say. Uh, so I'm not surprised that these guys had a few pisco punches with their coca leaves in them. But as with all crazes, things must come to an end. And in the case of the pisco punch, that end was prohibition in 1919. Like so many bar owners, Duncan Nickel was forced to close his bank exchange saloon. And not long after, he took his mystery pisco punch recipe to his grave. And San Francisco's hottest cocktail became a forgotten legend. Until 50 years later, in the 1970s, when a version of the bank's original recipe was unearthed. Places like the Comstock Saloon began bringing it back, with a spot of guesswork around that secret ingredient. And here, just down the street from where the bank once stood, they're still serving up several Pisco punches a night. And as my bartender tells me, like Duncan Nickel over a century ago, they still can't resist a little mystery. We have a secret proprietary ingredient that we put inside of our cocktail that we don't tell anybody what it is. Uh, I'll let you try it on its own, but you can tell me what you think it is, but I won't tell you if you guess right. Sounds like a challenge, right? So how could I and our intrepid Bay Curious question asker Brent resist? This is my first Pisco Punch. Here goes. <laughs> I have no words for how good it is. <laughs> it is amazing. It is uh, tropical, it is sweet, it is something which takes me around the world and through time, and I am grateful to be able to try it here, so thank you. Well, Carly, it sounds like that was a really tough assignment. Oh, you know, super tough, but someone's got to do it, Olivia. Mm, did you guys ever guess the mystery ingredient? Mm, I gotta say, even if we did, we couldn't possibly tell you. That's it for Bay Curious this week. That story was reported by Carly Severn. Thanks to today's question asker, Brent Silver. This story was part of our Golden State Plate series, which we're doing in partnership with the California Report magazine. You can find more from the series on their January 5th episode of their podcast. Did you know that every month the Bay Curious team answers even more questions than you hear on the show? Sign up for the newsletter to get all sorts of Bay Area goodies delivered fresh to your inbox each month. Sign up at baycurious.org slash newsletter. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Cheers. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just... What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. 
And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.